Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. It's surprising when talking with people how many of them are not really familiar with the term gospel or know the word but don't know what it actually means. Most people tend to think of things that are related to God as being religion and want to have nothing to do with it. We here at Anchor Point don't want anything to do with religion either. You see, religion is just man's vain attempt to reach out to God. And it's often very much mistaken about who God is and what he wants us to know about him. Sadly, what we see are either systems of philosophical thought or man-made organizations governed by a list of rules and regulations, all promising peace, meaning, and fulfillment, but sadly not satisfying the weary soul. The gospel is nothing like this. It is the plain and simple plan of salvation initiated and carried out by God himself. It is all about the Christ of Calvary. It's all about his cross. The gospel is spelled out for us very simply by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. In our message today, evangelist Mr. Gaius Goff answers the question, what is the gospel, and brings out both the simplicity and the beauty of this message of God's love for sinners. I'd like to read in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1. First of all, we've been speaking nightly, beginning with the book of Matthew, through the books of the New Testament that are given to us to introduce us to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the position of trying to convince you and introduce you to a person you can't see. You can't reach out and touch them with your hand can't see him with your eyes or even hear him with your ears. But he is real. I was flying across the United States one time, got on a plane in Chicago, and I'm on my way west to Portland, and sometimes, you know, we sit beside people and they like to chat a bit, so I turned to the man next to me and I said, how are you doing? Asked him what he did, and he told me, and we got into a bit of a talk, and about his business, he said, what do you do? I said, well, I preach the gospel. He said, Oh, I think I'm in trouble. I said, no, no, I'm not going to give you a hard time. I said, I, I'm not going to, I don't preach religion. I said, the world is full of the eyebrows with religion, and it doesn't seem to be helping us at all. I said, what I am concerned about and why I preach the gospel is I'm preaching about personal, individual faith in Christ. Like, do you believe in the Lord Jesus yourself? Oh, he said, I don't believe in anything you can't see. He said, you don't. You don't believe in anybody you can't see. Now, we're up 30-some thousand feet. I said, you know who's flying this plane today? He said, not exactly. I said, well, I'll tell you who it is. It's a little girl, about 5'2". She's really pretty, and she's got blonde hair and blue eyes. He said, don't be foolish. I said, no, I'm not. 
I said, you don't believe me? No, he said, I don't. Well, anyway, for some reason or another, we were out over Billings, Montana, and a man a few seats back was either getting a heart attack or something, and so the word came over that uh, we're going to have to have an emergency landing in Billings. And that little girl took that plane from 30-some thousand feet, and we were on the ground in less than 15 minutes. I mean, she came down just, you know, nose down and going like everything. And she brought that in there as slick as can be on that runway. And the ambulance was there, and they took this man off. And if she didn't walk back through, and she said, Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry for the fast descent, but we felt we had to do it. But she said, Just keep your seatbelt fastened. We're going to be taken off in a moment. And then she turned around and went back in the cockpit. So I turned to him. I said, uh, You don't believe in we can't see? He said, Shut up. <laughs> I said, You do. We all do. One way or the other, we all do. And that's what we do when we preach the gospel. We are telling you about a real person, not some idea or figment of imagination, not some storybook character, but about a real personal Savior who wants to be your real personal Savior. We're not talking about the entrance requirements to get into the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about you coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. And we're not the only ones that have been doing that. This has been going on for a long time. That's why I'm going to read to you here about what another man who preached did. Just going to read a few verses. Verse 17. This is a man named Paul who was a preacher. And he said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Notice down at verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block and to Greeks foolishness, but to them which are called Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and wisdom of God. Now I'd like to have you turn over a few pages to chapter 15 of the book of 1 Corinthians. So here in this first reading, we read about what people in time past preached and what we preach here. If you notice, perhaps outside you'll see on the sign, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. So I'm going to just read to you the definition of the gospel that's here. Notice in chapter 15 and verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So that's what they did then, and that's what I'm speaking to you about tonight. We're not here to have some kind of an argumentative discussion. We're here to face realities in our life. The environment that Paul was in and preaching in the city of Corinth 
was a very ungodly, licentious city. There were idols there, things that people were sold out to, things that had them in bondage. There were idols in life that they thought about all their waking minutes. Sounds like money, doesn't it, in our day? Well, money can be an idol. Some people will live for it, and some people will die for it. I had a distant relative who used to live in Vancouver. He had more money than he knew what to do with. That was back when we were on the gold standard at $200 an ounce. But when they took money off the gold standard and put it on a credit, he lost everything. And he jumped off a high building down in Vancouver because his idol was gold. What's yours? What do you think about most? That's your idol. Whatever crosses your mind and what consumes you, that's your idol. They had it back there. We have it today. But not only that, they were enslaved. Now, pardon me for using this word, but they were enslaved to sex. All kinds of perversions. The wrong kind. Ungodly lives. A man even had his own mother. It was a terrible place. What do you do in a situation or a place like that? How can you help people like that? Not only that, they had religion up to the eyebrows. With all that going on, they had their religion. And they were sold out to it. If somebody crossed them, they would take them to court. Back there, why don't they do the same today? The distinctive roles of men and women were mixed. So what does it sound like? Oh, you say, sounds a lot like now. So what do we do in times like this that you and I are living in? We do the same as they did back then. We preach the gospel. We preach Christ. And we preach the cross. Those are what they preached then. And that's what we preach. Because the answer to all human problems is in Christ. It is not in the Dow Jones or Toronto industrial averages that go up and down on the Toronto Stock Exchange. That's not life. And it's not how much your house is worth. You know, people bought farms. I had a great uncle bought a farm back a hundred years ago, and his farm wouldn't build your front porch. But he was a child of God. He preached the gospel. And he preached the cross. And he preached Christ. What's the gospel? Well, that's why we read it. We read it back there in the chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. The gospel is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. So I got to tell you the gospel story first. You see, here's how God looks at people. He tells us that we've all sinned and come short of his glory. In other words, we've all sinned and can't get from here to heaven the way we are. That's a major problem of our life. There's nothing can compare with that. We have all sinned and we can't help that, but we cannot go to heaven the way we are. And so we had to have the gospel and we have to have some good news and there's good news on the go that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And the good news is that in the fullness of the time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem us that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I've told you before, I have two adopted grandchildren. 
And I've got three that were born naturally to their parents. And I love everyone exactly the same. And God looks at you, mister. And he does love you. He does. Lady, he had his eye on you all your life. That's why you're still alive. You young people recognize that God knows your name. He knows what you think about. He knows what you do. And he really cares. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are a person that God esteems really highly. And he wants you to be in his family. He does. That's the gospel. How's he going to do it? How can people who can't help sinning ever get clear the problem of our sin? What can we do? The gospel is that Christ did that. Christ paid the price of sin. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day. Every one of us here must receive Christ personally. Or you're a lost soul even now. And you'll be lost forever. Then he says the preaching of the cross. Some people think it's foolishness. Well, what is the meaning of the cross anyway? Why didn't Christ die when he was a baby, when Herod tried to kill him and all, killed all those boy babies down in Bethlehem? I mean, he was God then. He was God when he was 33 years old. Why couldn't he have died when he was a baby? Or they tried in his own hometown to push him over the cliff at Nazareth. How come he couldn't have died for us by being pushed over a cliff? Or drowning in the Sea of Galilee or something? Well, because the Bible says that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. So why the cross? The Bible teaches us that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And he had to die on a tree to take the curse that was on us and assume full responsibility for your guilt and mine. He had to die on a tree. The Bible says he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. The Bible says when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says we read here, verse 3, Christ died for our sins, and so he was willing to assume full responsibility for every sin that you and I committed. He was willing to do that. You see, human sin has brought us under the judgment and the sentence of death in the judgment of God. And you and I cannot survive the wrath of a holy judge by ourselves. We need a substitute who can and will do that. But the only way he could and would be able to is if he had no sins of his own. And the Bible makes it clear that the Lord Jesus was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. He was here in this world a perfect, holy, spotless man who was willing to take the place of Gaius Goff and of you. He was sinless. And so he was able to assume that role of your substitute and mine by giving his life. Why would a person do that? Because of love. A number of years ago, there was a little girl 
in the family. She was about 12 years old, and into the family, 12 years later, was born a little baby. And the little baby was born with a blood problem. You would probably know it, but I'm not going into that. But they, it was all blue. The child was blue. And they knew that they had to transfuse that child in order for it to survive. Now, this was before they had blood banks. This was going back just before the Second World War. And they looked around for somebody who had the same blood type. And the only one that they could find handy was his sister, 12 years old. Now, I don't think they would do it today, but what they did then, this little baby boy was there. And so the doctor and the mother and father came in and said, you know, my dear... Your little brother's going to die. Tears start coming over her face. He can't live unless somebody who has the same kind of blood that he has would be willing to give their blood for him. And of all the people we know, you're the only one that has that type. Would you be willing to give your blood for your little brother? And the little 12-year-old girl thought about it for a bit. The doctor waited. The mother and father. And the little girl looked at her brother. Then she said yes. So they put her on a bed right beside her little brother. And they hooked that cord up, that tube up, directly from her vein to the vein of her little brother. And the blood started to flow. And they could see the color change right in front of their eyes. And the little girl looked over and smiled at him. Then she looked up to the doctor and she said, How long till I die? And the doctor couldn't hardly believe what he heard. He said, My dear, and he realized that that girl, because of the love of a little child, was willing to give her life for her brother. I wonder, do you understand what God was willing to do for you? He was willing and did give his son to die for you and me. And if that isn't love, there is no such thing. The Bible says it like this, and I can understand it. The Son of God, that's why I love him. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that name, Jesus, just fills my soul with joy. Because he was the one who, on the cross, gave his life for me and for you. It was necessary that that price be paid. And he was the only one that could do it. And he did it. How could you add anything to that? How could you add any work to something like that? What was that little girl's love for her brother worth? More than money. There's no money. There's no labor. There's no work that could compare with that kind of love. The only thing you can do in response to the Lord Jesus, and you could do it right in this meeting. Lift your heart to him and say, Lord Jesus Christ, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for the gospel, and I thank you for the cross, that on that tree, you died for me. Thank you so much. Don't you think you could take a gift like that? Some things are just worth more than we could ever pay. And that's the salvation of the soul 
goes way beyond anything we could ever pay. What God expects from you and me is for us to just take the gift and thank the giver. Yes, the gospel is all about the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, said the Apostle Paul, the perfect sinless Lamb of God who took the place of guilty sinners in order to bring them to God. Have you ever had a time in your life when you acknowledged your sin and hopelessness and simply looked to Christ, the Christ of the cross, for your salvation? You need to. God commands you to repent and believe the gospel. Receive Christ and enter into eternal relationship with the God of heaven. Now, what could be better than that? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.